Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. So, I told the first services, I'll tell you guys that so that the church is all in unity. Won't it be great when the Lord finally gives us a big enough building to where we don't have to have multiple services and we can all be together? I loved being under the tent. Who loved being under the tent? Something special about one service. We're all jammed underneath the tent. Bodies flying, fake grass up front. Little stage is so little. Our worship team was like, the name of Jesus be lifted high, lifted high. I mean, like, you can't even move. That one time the keyboard nearly fell over. That was exciting. I don't know if you probably were all so caught up in worship you missed it. But someone jumped too close to the keyboard, and the keyboard goes, and they're like, the name of Jesus be lifted. That's what we live for around here. Amen. It's always fun when you're preaching and you trip and fall. Shows the Lord has a sense of humor, right? Just roll with it. All right. But... I'll be honest, for the last like month and a half, we expanded the building. That was amazing. That weekend was the, one of the most dramatic encounters I've ever had with God. Absolutely unbelievable. The glory of God filled this place. It was, it was I mean, it blew, blew my mind that the Lord would be in our church that strong. And it was so precious, so holy. But for the last like month and a half, I've been in kind of like a frustration place. And I'm just being honest where it's like, I'm like, God, I mean, what are we going to do right now? Like, I, I mean, because I'm, I'm a person that really needs a vision to be focused on, to know my part. And so everything going on right now has kept me in this place of just agitation and frustration at a next level. But this past week, I feel like, man, I feel like a brand new baby. I feel like I got fresh vision and this is vision for the next 20 years. You just get ready, get ready, get ready, because this church has not even seen the half of what we're going to do yet. We have so much in store, guys, and it is time to get real, time to grow up. Who likes growing up? Amen. Time to put on our big boy and big girl pants. Amen. Time to put on our Pentecostal denim skirts down to the floor. Time to pull out our maracas and our what tambourines. Come on, somebody. Time to pull out our spoons. The only thing we ask is just leave the leotards at home. Those were great in the early 2000s, but we've moved on to better things. Amen. We don't have to worship the Lord in skin-tight clothes anymore. We can actually wear regular clothes and still glorify the Lord. Amen. Anyways, those that were all a part of the interpretive dance movement, we love you. I did it too. Love it. No, but the Lord said, you know, it goes back to what the Lord said. Get my church ready. We're going to get ready. Let me tell you something I really want you to grab. The way you've got to see what God is doing right now is remove church entirely out of it. Church is a great community. We come here to sharp iron sharpens iron. We will develop you. And that's the vision that God's given me. We're going to roll out a lot of development in here. Because the body of Christ is the ones called to do the work of the evangelist and to do the ministry work. So you're going to be casting out devils in this place? Come on, somebody. You're going to be laying hands on the sick. You're going to be preaching the gospel. You, you're going to wind up in your own neighborhood with a microphone and a stage. 
And you can be preaching the gospel. People will be running to the altar. You'll be baptizing people in your bathtub. It's about to get serious up in here. I feel it. I feel it. It's time to shake off. Because it's the, it's the mindset we get in of, of the Lord is not able to shake because we're thinking just in the church realm. And I, and I love what they just shared. But keep in mind, man, just because you're a police officer with a badge doesn't mean you're not a child of God full of the Holy Ghost either. And so that's what I'm encouraging everybody to realize. Right now, God's army is everywhere. God has already infiltrated the camps of the wicked. He has people positioned from Hollywood to Washington, D.C., to Orlando, Florida, to every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Our God is not small. He has not been asleep. He has not been napping. He has been moving. He has been strategizing. And every plan of God always is successful in its maneuvers. And you're a part of that. Do you feel it? So... This is the hour to shake off complacency, worry, fear, doubt, forget it. The world will be the world, but the church will shine bright in the darkest hour. We're going to do it. So we're going to be ready. Number one, for eternity. Say eternity. you got to live for eternity. Realize that. Life is not promised. You might not even wake up tomorrow morning because ultimately nobody is promised tomorrow. Are you with me? I'm not trying to scare you right now, but are you with me? There, every one of us will run our race, and that race is different lengths. Some lengths are longer than others, but the reality is we are living for eternity. The only thing you can take with you into eternity is the souls of people that you have led to the Lord. That is the only thing on this earth that is eternal besides your, your soul. So that's why the church has got to realize, forget the wealth. I mean, God will give you wealth. God will give you houses. God will give you cars. God will give you careers. But at the end of it all, live for eternity. If you get eternity on your heart, I preached my first message I ever preached was called, um, What is a Revivalist? I preached it in Bible college. It was a five-minute sermon. And it was like, I was totally nervous, but I was like, the first thing of a revivalist, it's someone who has eternity etched on their heart that realizes each day is just a day to do something that will carry over into the realms of eternity. And if you don't have that, you're going to get that, a lot of things wrong. You'll get so wrapped up in the temporal world, you miss out on everything that God is doing in the eternal realm. Amen. Amen. Your life's but a vapor and then it's gone. One day this body will give way, the hair will give way, muscles will give way. Legs will give way. Everything gives way. But what you do for eternity will never give way. It will last forevermore. Amen. And so secondly, we're going to be ready for a move of God. And this next move of God is like I've always said. It is a move of God outside of the four walls of the church. It's a move of God where the army of the Lord arises. The five-fold ministry exists for one purpose. To prepare believers to do the work. And we have allowed generations to show us that the fivefold was the one doing all the work. From now on, we are not doing that. From now on, this next wave is going to be marked by an army of the Lord in the land. Come on. Where people come into church and they're like, could the healing evangelist pray for me? No, but the doorkeeper could pray for you. The usher could pray for you. The kids care worker. Even the kids in the kids church could lay hands on you. And you're going to get a miracle. Because that's the God that we serve. Come on, somebody. It's a shifting of perspective. Our God is not so small. 
that he only functions with microphones and, and, and congregations. Our God can shake. In fact, I was thinking the other day, the greatest undeniable, unbelievable miracles I've seen, and I've seen some incredible stuff. I've seen bones that were broken, not out of the skin, but sticking out and bubbling on the skin just go right back in. That's incredible. I've seen, I've felt broken bones heal underneath my thumb and push back up against my thumb. I've seen babies, a baby with a rash, that like the Lord sucked the rash right out and the baby was totally healed. All of these miracles were outside of the four walls of the church. Like, and I'm, I'm not trying to be weird, but I'm just saying, have you ever just, like, in, when people move in healing and services, man, I'm pressing in and I'm asking God for miracles. But so often it's like we see the smallest of miracles inside the church and it kind of messes with your head. Like, God, what are we getting wrong in America? Because you go over to Africa and like people's legs are just right back. And you're like, in America, people are like, I got a headache. It's, it's 6 out of 10 now. It's 3 out of 10 now. My God, we've been praying for 45 minutes. Give her an Advil. I'm just, and I'm probably the only, I mean, well, maybe not. But it just that gets to me because I'm like, I believe everything in the Word. I believe it with every core of my being. I would stake my life on the promises of God. Every time, no exception whatsoever. And so when you see that, you're like, God, give us the key to this nation. Give us the key to shake America. Give us the key to wake the the people up in this land. Give us that key. And it's it's the miracle signs and wonders that the book of Acts shows us. But the key is we've got to be bold enough to do it outside of the four walls of the church. That's going to flow a lot better. Amen. I remember the first time I started soul winning. I was like brand new soul winner, you know, and they had us, they were taking us in Tampa and I was in Publix parking lot, Publix. I mean, it's a family neighborhood place and a lady was carrying groceries out and I walked up to her and I said, man, ma'am, I just want you to know God loves you so much. Do you know that? And she turned to me and she started growling in Publix parking lot. Right at the entrance, too. Now, this is where people are walking. Like, kids are walking by, and this lady's like, ah. <laughs> I'm a brand-new soul winner. I was like, no, nah, I didn't sign up for this. See ya. I, I left. I have to tell you the truth. I was like, out, peace out, you know. <laughs> I ain't about to be like, come out. Hey, kid, go on in there. Run on up there. Like, but everybody realizes anytime a human growls, that's a sign something's wrong, Okay. I remember that clear as day. The gospel makes the enemy manifest. And it's an hour for that to take place on the streets of Claremont at a whole nother level. People getting set free, people being delivered, people being healed, miracles happening, salvations happening, testimonies bu- bubbling up and bubbling forth. It's, it's an exciting hour. So we're going to be ready for eternity. We're going to be ready for a move of God. The second thing we got to get ready for is all hell to break loose. The world will be the world. So whatever they want to do, we have to be prepared ahead of time that our eyes are on God and the world can fall apart, but we will not fall apart because we are of a kingdom that is unshakable. Amen. And the Bible does say in the last days, God said, I'll shake once more heaven and earth. Sometimes shaking looks like everything collapsing around you, but you are of a kingdom that is unshakable. Amen. If all you have is a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal, God will feed you for as long as he needs to feed you with just a little bit. Amen. Amen. And plus, I believe that God will speak to his people and strategize to get you at the right place at the right time. For years, 
since the time I got saved way back in 19, no, I'm just joking, in 2002. From, that, from the time I came into the church, that's not that long ago, Sam. <laughs> Ushers, could you help this young man? He's like, I was born in 2003. Whatever. Who's counting, Bubba? It's the only way you know you're getting older is that everybody around you is getting younger. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. You were born after 2000? What, I'm, I'm not listening to you anymore. You have no wisdom that I need. If you weren't around in the 80s, bro, you know nothing. Okay? We've lived through it all by now. Anyways, thanks, Sam. <laughs> but way back when I got saved, and maybe this encouraged some people, I, I've always heard of the end-time transference of wealth, that God will shake the nations one more time. There will be a transference of, of, of wealth into the hands of God's people, which will ultimately fund the last end-time harvest. There's always a purpose to it. Amen? Yes, God will bless you just because He loves you. Who's grateful for that? There's nothing wrong with having nice things. The Lord will bless you with it. But I've always pressed in for that, and I believe for that, and I expect it. And I'm like, God, there will be an end-time transference of wealth. But I, I told someone just the other day, I was like, bro, we either got to get a breakthrough in this realm, or we need to change our doctrine. Because the wicked are sitting there with $180 billion in their pockets, and the church's best is maybe scraping together a few million. That's not the end-time transference of wealth. So I feel like there's a shifting going on right now. Are you with me right now? And I mean it. I mean, I feel like there's a shifting. So don't be nervous as things shake. Things will shake, but you are of a kingdom that is unshakable. And so follow the Lord. Let God lead you. And just know that there is something heavenly about to break loose on this nation. We're getting back to the time when there will be lines of people outside of the buildings where God's pouring out. We're getting back to the time where there will come such a hunger in the hearts of so many people that it's going to be a glorious atmosphere we walk into and absolutely glorious things will take place. And all of that is not so we could go to a place to be filled up and feel good. It's so that we can go somewhere, be touched, so that we can carry it out everywhere we go because that's what it's coming down to. Amen? It's time to take territory. Say, take territory. Ah, amen. So, Church on the Streets Wednesdays, we expect everybody to be there. Who's coming? Three of us, four of us. That's awesome. This, I love the American church. Like, praise God, let's move. Yeah, you know, somebody else will do it. Like, bro, like seriously, let's shake America. Let's do this thing, baby. So step one of being ready for every, anything. I got to thinking about this. You know, when I got saved, I was, I was like probably, I was, well, I was not like instantaneous miracle. I was like a slow cooker. So it took a while for the Lord to kind of get through the layers of my onion self to the core and get me right. Amen. And I love the moments when God dramatically encounters someone and it's like instantaneous transformation. I was like, I knew the love of God. I knew it was amazing. And so I kept coming and I kept coming and I kept coming and I kept coming. And ultimately the Lord worked through a lot of different things in my life to get me to the place where I'm at. But in the process of chasing down the Lord, which was chasing down the Lord, is what I did, um, I realized that I just totally fell in love with God. 
absolutely love God. I love everything that he stands for. I love every word that he declares. I loved every moment that I ever got with him. I mean, I loved God. Like, it was like, I'm, I'm like still drunk, high, doing drugs, everything, going to parties, and I'm telling everybody, Jesus loves you, and all these things, crying out, because I love God, and then I would read my word, and just read it, and read it, and I would, I would ask the Lord things, like, what does this mean, God? Like, I don't understand what this means in the word, and then I would go to a church, or I would go to a youth group, or I would go to, uh, I even went to the women's Bible study, I honestly did, because my church had youth group, Sunday morning, and women's Bible study, and no men's Bible study, so I would go to the women's Bible study, and I would just talk like this, you know. But I would show up at the women's Bible study, and I'd just sit there as the dude in the corner. But anyone that I went to, when I asked God, what does this mean? When the next time I went anywhere, that's exactly what they opened up. And I'm not talking this happened like once or twice. I'm talking 50 to 100 times this happened. You cannot orchestrate that. You cannot fabricate that. That is just evidence of the love of God. That he loves his people so much. He'll take, a, he'll take a drug addict, screwed up kid that's crying out in his room. What does this mean? And he'll be like, next time you step somewhere, I'll speak to the person that hears my voice. And I'll lead them in that capacity just to reach one more. Think about that. Leaving the 99 to get one more. Sometimes we want big, we want massive. But think about just one more person that truly falls in love with God, that gets to know Him through you, through your encounters, that figures out everything that you know. And beyond that, it's iron sharpening iron. It's the glory of God. But the church has got to fall in love with the presence of the Lord. we got to love Him more than we love the clock, more than we love our daily schedule, more than we love any strategy or plan, anything. We have got to fall in love with God above all else. And when you love God, he can ask anything from you and you're willing to do it. Amen. Come on, go over there and talk to this person. Go buy this person lunch. You love God, you just do it. You don't need a pastor. You don't need someone begging you. You don't need a group behind you. You don't need a choir. Thank God for choirs. You don't need a keyboard player. You just love God and that's enough. Amen. And when you're in love with the Lord, it's so precious. See, I've, I, I want you to hear my voice in this in the sense of when I became a pastor here, regularly I go to the Lord and I say this, if I am not the one to lead the church forward, then you can tell me to leave any time. You just show me who to put in place there because I'm not trying to build my own kingdom. I'm only here because I love you, God. And I realize that's why the Lord called my wife and I into ministry. Wherever we were in any church, we were doing youth group. We were doing coffee. My wife was singing. I was singing out there, but they never asked me on the stage because the anointing was too strong upon my life in that area. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It was like I would steal the thunder. And so I didn't have that opportunity, but I, I know why. I mean, I know why. And I did everything. And I, it's like, I remember we were a part of a church right before we launched, and we jumped into everything. We were teaching the youth group. We were, we were, we were, I was doing coffee bar and the pastors came to us and they're like, we've never met anybody like you. Like you guys came in and you did everything. You know, wh why is that? And I was like, I, I mean, I, I just love the church. I love the Lord. I love his presence. I love to serve. I love everything about God. I'm not trying to get anywhere. I don't need anything. I'm not wanting anything. I don't want the accolades of man. I just so love the Lord that I can't stop myself from jumping into this thing. 
It's like in you. And so everything I've ever done from that place, when the Lord called my wife in in the ministry, I was not, it wasn't from a place of a prophet came and called me, which I love prophetic words. But if you're going for a prophetic word, man, and that's all that ever moves you, you're going to miss out on so much. Let love move you, not prophecy. Prophecy should confirm what is burning in your heart. The church is now looking for miraculous and and spectacular and just missing love. Love is the commitment. If you need spectacular, I mean, look, I'll hit this younger generation. This younger generation thinks everything in, in the marriage is all about a spectacular wedding. Your wedding could be three people and a dog. But if you love each other, it's going to be an awesome marriage. But just because you've got the $8 billion in your wedding does not make a marriage. A marriage is love each other, give from yourself, pour out. Realize it's not about shining in front of a bunch of people. It's about a commitment to one another. Amen. And if the church would get a commitment to God, boy, we would turn this world upside down. We would usher in the coming of Christ. We would see the third great awakening. We would wrap this thing up, and there's nothing that can stop the move of God. But you got to fall in love with the Lord. If you don't love God, if you're not sold out to God, it means you could still sell out to something else. And you got to sell out for the kingdom of God, baby. Because otherwise the enemy will find your price tag and he will pay it. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Come on, church. Let's rise up and fall in love with the presence of the Lord. Time to throw watches aside, agendas aside, and get caught in the glory of the Lord. It's time for preachers to forget to take the offering until the end of service. Amen. Give a little plug for myself there. Amen. Pastor Caleb was flowing. Yeah, he was. No, but the reason why I forgot is because I don't, I don't that, that's not even your mindset. Your mindset's the glory of God and the presence of God. I feel like such a stirring, and I might have said this last week, but the thing that the Lord has kept giving to me is at the pool of, what was it, Bethesda or Siloam, I forget which one, where an angel would come and trouble the water. And every time it would trouble the water, the first person into the water would get a miracle. And I feel like the Lord is saying that at this time there's a, there's a trembling of the water. I mean, we are on the verge of the greatest miraculous outpouring that we have ever heard and seen and read about. It's like it's, it's happening, but it's not at the level that it's going to happen at. I mean, we're seeing and experiencing great things, but there's this trembling of God right now. And it's like it's just awakening the army of the Lord, and we're right there at it. But the whole miracle of that, what brings into mind is the one person Jesus came to and said, why are you not getting your miracle? He says, I don't have a man. Jesus went to the one person whose eyes were not on any other man to give that person the miracle. And let me encourage this end time move with this. Get our eyes off man and get your eyes on God. Because some of the greatest miracles and the greatest moves you're going to see are going to be from names you've never even heard about before. It's going to be from people that God pulls from obscurity. It's going to be from the wildest of places. It's a glorious move. It's a miraculous move. It's a supernatural move. And we're right there at it. Amen? On that note, we got a team going out to Toke, Alaska here in a couple weeks. I pray that the power of God would be upon that team. That everywhere you go and toke, may the glory of God shake those people. That in the frozen wasteland of Alaska, may the fire of heaven roll and change people's lives. Amen. So, Matthew 22, 37 through 38, it says, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God 
with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So, when we boil everything down, strip aside titles, strip aside callings, strip aside anointings, giftings, talents, wealth, everything, the first and greatest commandment is just simply love God with all that you've got. Everything you've got. Fall in love with God. Be passionate about Him because He is passionate to reach you. Think about what God did to reach you. Come on. I think about what the Lord had to do to get to my life, to find me in the darkness. He moved in the wildest of ways. I mean, he sent people at 3 o'clock in the morning to preach to me. He, he, he sent people to come and lay hands on me. Everything in the midst of everything I'm going through, God reached through that darkness to get me. He was so passionate about reaching me, so you should have the same passion for falling in love with God. I mean, a church that loves God's presence is a church that is going to do awesome things. When the church realizes that everything heaven wants to do is the main priority, then there's nothing that cannot be done in that atmosphere. It's like the dream the Lord gave me of the power of God filling that place. And nobody, it's not advertised, it's not shown, it's just a group of people passionate about the presence of the Lord. And they fall in love with Jesus. What stops us from loving the presence of the Lord? It's actually a, a mixture of ultimately things you're taught. People get taught how not to enter into the presence of the Lord. Religion comes to teach you what God will do and won't do, how God will look, how God won't look. All of these things that begin to enter into the minds of people to where it becomes blockages for you to enter into the presence of the Lord. That's why oftentimes miracles happen better on the streets when there is no mental capacity of resistance to God's presence. He just falls because there's an openness. And then you come into the church and people have fall into tradition, fall into mindsets of what it's going to look like. you got to just love God's presence over everything else. Amen? I mean, when's the last time you were at home and you just turned on worship music and you just laid on your face for hours? You know what I'm saying? Let it wash over you. I can't tell you how many times I felt like quitting, I felt like giving up, but I had enough sensibility to just go home and worship the Lord. And I'd turn on worship music way back in the days of Xbox, you know, and you could put in music set lists. And I would put in a music set list. And I would just lay there in the presence of the Lord. And I would just worship the Lord all by myself. And literally, as, as, as heightened as we've ever gotten in this church in a worship set with everybody pressing in, I've had that by myself in a room. You got that? Because God didn't need a choir. He didn't even need me to sound good because I don't sound good. But it was so genuine that the presence of the Lord invaded my living room with the lights on and everything. I mean, totally exposed. The lights weren't even dim. You mean God gets intimate when the lights are on? I know, it's awkward. I mean, but like the presence of the Lord feels. And then like your hair stands up. And you're just sitting there. You, just you and heaven shows up. Because he loves his children. And then it just feels you. My gosh, heaven's in the place. The greatest of the great just entered into my little bitty living room. Amen. Where I didn't even vacuum the rug first. And he showed up in the place. Man, can we get back to that. You know, I was preaching in St. Louis years ago. And um, I'll never forget, I met a pastor and he was telling me his testimony. He's a fifth generation Pentecostal preacher. Fifth generation, which I'm a first 
you know, generation. But he said, years and years ago, what was it? My great, great, great granddad was a police officer. And he was called to the church in the middle of the night for a noise complaint. Now, this was back in the days of oil-burning lamps. And so he gets called into a church, oil-burning lamps, 2 o'clock in the morning. And he goes into this church, and it was actually a female pastor. It wasn't even a, a, a man that pastored. It was a woman that was leading this church. She was on fire for God. And they were having an all-night prayer meeting. And the presence of God was so in the place. And you know, you know, tambourines flying. You know, everything just wild in the place. Well, he's walking down the middle aisle because he said, who's the pastor? They said, she's up there at the altar because he's going to deliver the noise complaint. As he walks down the center aisle, the presence of God was so strong, he falls under the power of God. He has an encounter with God. He came as a noise complaint, citation in hand, uniform on, falls under the power of God. And then he sees a vision. And in the vision, the Lord comes and basically places a Bible in his hand. says, I've called you this day to be a minister of the gospel. And then... I mean, it's a whole supernatural moment. He comes out of this, this vision, and it had been two hours. So now it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and they're still going. And he gets up, and the pastor's standing there, and she says, what happened? Uh, you know, what, what, what brought you here? And he says, he goes, he takes his badge, hands it to the lady, and he picks up a Bible. And he said, tonight the Lord has called me into the full-time ministry. That guy went on to build five churches still moving today in St. Louis, Missouri, because encounters with God are the most epic things that will ever happen to your life. Shake off everything else and realize you're pursuing a living God. He's alive. He's alive. He'll show up. Where there's hunger, He shows up. And in those moments, there's just nothing like the presence of God. Thank God we don't serve a God that exists just in book form. Thank God we don't serve a God that is 18 light years away that we have to send a message in a bottle and wait for 20 years for a response. We serve a God that's here right now. And he'll show up in your living room. He'll shake you. He'll wake you. He'll fill you. He'll breathe life upon you. He'll give you his word. He'll give you his anointing. He'll touch your life. He'll infuse your life with something greater than you've ever imagined. All you've got to do is fall in love with Jesus. Who can love Jesus in this place? Fall madly in love with Jesus. If you fall madly in love with Jesus, you'll fall madly in love with his bride. You'll love other people because you love Jesus. When you love Jesus, hate's not in you. So come on, church, let's love Jesus. To know him is to love him, and to love him is to know him. Now, Deuteronomy 6, 3 through 7 says, Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I think it, it kind of sounds like you're going to have many children flowing with milk and honey. But I think it's, you'll have many children and the land will be flowing with milk and honey. Just clarify. Amen. Just as, uh, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Say all your heart. All your, heart. All your soul. All your, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. The, in the all-night prayer, the Lord gave me that vision, or I spoke it out, not really a vision, 
of us going into the promised land, which is what the Lord's speaking about here. And a generation that had lost it was now entering into it. And the Lord said to Joshua, tell the people to prepare their hearts, sanctify their lives, for tomorrow they will enter into the land flowing with milk and honey, a supernatural calling into the promise that was finally there. Every promise in the Bible belongs to us personally, but you got to sanctify your life and fall in love with God and allow Him to work in you so that you can have these things. Amen? Sometimes it's the love of God that keeps you from tapping into the things that you see yourself because you're not ready for it yet. The Bible says in Proverbs, an inheritance gained too early in life is not a good thing. Some things that we think we need would actually destroy us because we don't have the character to withstand it or hold it or carry it. So you have to trust the Lord and just fall in love with God's presence. Whatever God wants you to do is what you want to do, but His timing is perfect timing. Amen. Amen. we got a lot of people trying to jump the gun. we got a lot of people trying to go out and do their own thing. Just fall in love with God. And when you're in love with the Lord, He will give you the strategy from God, and it will be epic. Amen? But if you think that rising to the top of a generation is your ultimate goal, as one preacher said, I've been to the top and realized the entire pile is a pile of poo. (laughs) What man props up is great. Sometimes it's not as good as you think it is. Sometimes the people that have gained everything the world tells them to gain will be the one to tell you it's actually all empty. That there's nothing in this world that feels outside of the presence of the Lord. Wealth is nothing when you don't have the presence of the Lord. As Solomon said, he was the wealthiest man in the world. He said everything is meaningless when he went and, 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 and moved away from the presence of the Lord and screwed up his life. He was the most miserable person there was because he lost the presence of the Lord. Fall in love with Jesus. Now, what does it mean to love the Lord? It means if you fall in love with God, it means you love who God is. And you love what God brings. You love what He asks. You love what He demands. You love how He moves, when He moves. You love what He asks of you to do. You love everything that He is. You can't say, I love God, but not love His Word. You can't say, I love God, but hate His church. You can't say, I love God, but not do what He tells you to do. To love God is to love everything about God. Everything that He brings. I can't say, I love my wife, but then tell her, I don't like this, I don't like that, and I'm not even going to talk to you about this. You have to love everything about Him. Remember when I was in Bible college? Once one guy, he was he was been to three, four different girlfriends in Bible college, which is, Bible college is really bridal college. It's where you go to, to find that special someone. Amen. If you're single, we'll send you to bridal school. But he was talking to, a, I was a youth, a youth leader, and he was talking to the youth pastor. She was an awesome lady. And he says to her, well, I don't understand that. I keep getting the bad people. And I'll never forget her response. She looked at him and said, well, remember this, a dog attracts a dog. And he was like, you know, he, he didn't like that answer. And I'm like, snap, you know. She was an awesome. She came from the inner city. She told it like it was, you know. But you can't love God and not be changed is the moral. You can't say I love God and then you're walking around just arrogant, puffed up, selfish, prideful. I love God. I love all that he is. But you were so full of yourself, you can't be full of God. You got to learn to let that stuff go. Amen. People are like, I love God. I love him. I love him. You love an idea 
but you don't love God. Because if you love God, man, you would learn to listen to that still small voice. You would let him work on the inside of you. You wouldn't need someone to always tell you, you need to fix this because God would do it. God keeps me on a two-foot two leash. I step one step in the wrong direction. The Lord's like, okay, God, sorry about that. I mean, honestly, and that's how I want to live. I actually told the Lord when I got saved, keep me on the shortest leash you have. Because I do not want to go 10 years in the wrong direction to find out that I was so arrogant and puffed up, I miss God. I mean, when I gave you my life, I mean, I give you my life, God. What, I, what becomes of my life is entirely up to you now, Lord. You breathe, you move, you give me words, you, you adjust me, you direct, you direct me. I'm an arrow in the quiver of God. You point me, you shoot me, I'll do whatever it takes. Falling in love with God is falling in love with God's character. All that he stands for, his holiness. Holiness is precious. It's not a set of rules that you can't achieve to make you feel like a loser. Holiness is the glory and the presence of God washing over you and taking junk out of your life and putting his character in its stead. Holiness is victorious. Holiness empowers. Holiness is the grace of God coming and invading a person's body and lifting you up to a place you can't live at without the help of God. And fall in love with God and everything that He is. Fall in love with the still small voice. Fall in love with the moments of prayer. Fall in love with the times you get to minister and the times that you're not ministering. Fall in love with God. May He be on your lips continuously. May you rise in the morning and glorify the Lord. May you go to bed at night and think about God. Come on, what's the last thing you think of when you go to bed at night? What's the first thing that pops in your mind when you rise in the morning? And if you're like, man, if you're like me and you're like going to bed and you're like, Jesus, I love you, I love you so much. And then you wake up, Father, I love you, thank you for today. That's where you want to live. To where the first thought and the last thought of every day is on the Almighty God. Fall in love with Jesus. He loves you that much. He's the only one that you can love, pour continuous love upon and always be met with greater love. Because that's how awesome our God is. But the greatest command there is for the church is to love God. If you love God, then the society around you will stop being able to manipulate your affections. It'll stop being able to trigger your buttons because the love for God will be the prevalent thing of your life. He is what moves you. It is what directs you. It is what guides you. I love God. I love his word. I love his character. I love who he is. And I love his plan for this hour. I love God. And so I will not be swayed by charisma. I will not be swayed by gifts. I will not be bought with money. Take giving, for instance. A lot of churches, and I believe in it. I believe in the blessing of God. I mean, I, I'll let me just hit it right now. I believe in prosperity. I believe that God can make you wealthy because the Bible says he, gives, he makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. Amen? Amen. God can do that. But when he does it, when he does it as he plans to do it, he does it with a person that first falls in love with him above all else so that you are not a lover of money. Because the Bible says if you love money, that's the root of all evil. Are with you? And, and so you look at the church today. There's some churches that teach very heavy on giving. And in the circles I travel in, I've been told that I don't teach it hard enough. And I understand that. I know what they're saying. But there's people that hit it. There's people that hit it. And the people don't like sometimes... 
when a minister talks about the offering because you're coming from a place, as you hear it, that you think he's manipulating to get money. And some of them have manipulated to get money. Let's just be truthful here, you know. Some people have manipulated. And then there's also the people that hate for someone to talk about giving to the Lord because, truth be told, they love money. And they don't want to give anything to God. It's like Billy Graham said, show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you love. Are you with me? And so there's people that, but either one of those, the person that doesn't want to give to God and the person that manipulates an offering, both of them are the root of the same problem. People have lost the love of God. They lost the love of God. And because they don't love God, they'll never want to give to God. They don't want to be told to give to God. And there's other people, they don't love God, but they love themselves. So they'll manipulate and manipulate and manipulate. Problem is, they've just lost the love of God. When you love God, you'll do anything God asks you to do. When I met Kirsten, Kirsten came into my life. Now, I was raised on a dairy farm. We were all, I was always covered in cow manure. I had rubber boots. I mean, the whole, you know, I mean, seriously, I remember when a friend of mine passed away, I had no nice clothes to wear to a funeral. Because when you're on a farm, there's no point to have nice clothes. And so I showed up in Carhartts, you know, in like a Dickies t-shirt or something, you know, that my mom had freshly washed. But when I met Kirsten, Kirsten was like, I want to bless you with some clothes. So she takes me to a very expensive men's dress, dress uh, clothing shop. And so when we get there, I go right, straight to the sales rack. Because I'm like, this place is expensive. Sales rack, baby. Everybody loves the deal. And she says, we're not going to the sales rack. I said, what are you talking about? She says, I want, I want to bless you. I want to get you something nice. So she went and bought. She actually looked at the price tag, found the most expensive shirt in there, most expensive tie, and the most expensive pants. It was more money than my family had probably spent on me. Their entire, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> it was a lot of money. And I actually sat there and I looked at her and I said, why are you doing this? You don't have to do this. And she said, I want to do it because you're worth that. Let me tell you, when you fall in love with God and you realize how good he is, there's nothing he can't ask of you because you understand your worth in him. But beyond that, everybody in here, you're a giver. You've always been a giver. You give all the time. Every day of your life, you give to whatever you love. Promise you that. If you love the Bucks, you're buying Buccaneers wear. You're buying T Tom Brady signed whatever. If you love fishing. You've got 18 fishing rods and you only use two. You know it's true. I love sneakers. You can't. I, I got more sneakers than I can, but I love them. And every time I drive past a sneaker shop, I'm like, They got a lot of shoes in there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Daddy could get him another pair. And my wife's like, please, you have more shoes than me. <laughs> well, I mean, but the Lord loves me, babe. And wasn't there a scripture about how lovely are the feet of those that bring the gospel? <laughs> you know how preachers always manipulate things. But you give to whatever you love. So if you love God, you'll give to God's kingdom, and you'll never have to be manipulated to do it. You will do it because it is in you. You'll be the person like, uh, like the, waving down the person to give an offering because you love the presence of the Lord in his kingdom. Fall in love with God. People simply have lost the love of God in this hour, which the Bible says in the last days people will become lovers of themselves. And there's a lot of teaching and I, in the body of Christ that's actually led to that narcissistic behavior. Where it's like, well, I mean, you don't have to change who you are. You know, 
if they don't love you like you are, you know, poo on them or whatever like that. And I understand that. But on the flip side, who are we to go to the Lord and act like we're perfect? If you are so puffed up and so believe the message that you don't need to change and you don't need to grow, you've just cut off everything that the body of Christ is standing for to help you mature and blossom as a better person. Nobody in here is perfect. Come on. All of us in here have good days and bad days, but ultimately we'll all get it right if we fall in love with God, fall in love with his word, and allow God to continuously work on us. Otherwise, if you just sit there and buy that message that I'm perfect, then you become critical of everybody else that's not like you. And then what good is that? Then the church is divided. And what does everybody say? We need to unify. Well, you can't unify with arrogance. The only one that unifies is the presence of the Lord. Fall in love with Jesus. And when God, see the Bible says he chastises those that he loves. When you fall in love with God and he loves you, then there's going to be times that he corrects you, breaks things off. Helps things get off of your life. Those are holy moments that are worth living for. Amen. I love it when the Lord corrects me. Because then I can live right and walk right from that moment forward. I love when he shines in and shows me where I got it wrong. People have lost the love of God. They love money. They love sports. They love music. They love fashion. They love alcohol. I don't like to get drunk. I just like to feel buzzed. They may even love church. They love the social aspect of it, the community of it. They love many things about church, but they've lost the love of God. Which means they look at for a church that fits what they want. I love God, but I don't want Him to do this, and this is what I need, this is what I'm looking for. And just fall in love with God and let God lead you. And wherever God leads you, you're going to grow, you're going to blossom, your kids are going to grow and blossom. It's going to be a holy thing, amen? This end time move of God is a preparation of the children of God to carry more than we've been carrying. But in order for us to carry it right, we've got to let God do the work on the inside of us to be able to carry it well. Amen? God, to many people, is distant. Many people treat God like He's far away because they've lost the, the presence of the Lord in their life. God is not distant from anybody. He's present at any time, but you've got to fall in love with God. In Revelations, the Lord actually rebuked the church and said, you're doing a lot of things right, but I have this one thing against you. You have lost your first love. And a lot of people, even in ministry, they've loved what ministry has given them. They've loved the title. They loved the followers. They loved to feel important. They loved to be honored. They loved all of that that it has given unto them, but they have lost the love for God. They love ministry, but they lost the love of God. When you love God, you can be an usher, you can be a preacher, you can be a kids worker, you can be a, anything that God asks of you. When you love God, you say, yes, God, that's what I want to be right now. I want to be exactly what you want me to be. And that's why I said, I've always said to the Lord, if I'm not the guy to lead it forward, bring the guy to lead it forward. Because I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. I just love you, God, and I'm following you all the days of my life. If we could get to loving God, we wouldn't have to be poked and prodded to share the love of God with other people. Man, it's like this day, I probably shouldn't even hit this, but it's like this day and age, it's like you have to do all of these things to get the church to rise up. Years ago, I remember meeting one with a woman in, in Melbourne, Florida, when we were training people to soul win, and she came to me and she was crying after we taught her how to soul win. 
And she said, when I got saved, my grandmother was the one that led me to the Lord. And my grandmother said that you're not a real believer until you've learned to lead other people to the Lord. And she said, her pastor would not even welcome you in as a member of the church until he saw you leading someone to the Lord in the community. I thought, my gosh, have you ever been to a church like that? And I'm not saying we got to be, I'm not that way, but I'm just, that's what they, they focus on right now at that time. And it's like somewhere along the way, we lost that the loving God and falling in love with his word was meant to fill you with something to reach this world to where it just became us mindset and build something spectacular that we feel good about, but it's stop changing the world, which is what led us to the place where we're at right now, where there's an agitation, there's a cry for revival, there's a cry in the nations right now for God to show up, and I'm telling you, he's about to show up bigger than ever, but fall in love with God, love his presence, love his word, come on. Say, I love God, but I don't really have time for the Word of God. If you love God, you will get in this Word day and night. It'll be, it'll be meat to your body. It'll be like honey on your lips. It'll be everything to you. Man, love the Word of God. It is life and it is living. Get in the Word. Amen. When you fall in love with God, the lesson is easy. We are not called to love material things. Love God, give all things to Him, and when you love Him, you can have nice things because you don't love things. If you were to go home, if war broke out in America, let's say, which I'm not saying it is, but let's say it does, and you went home after you know, being at church and your house got blown up, but your whole family was with you, would you be upset about the house or would you be rejoicing that your whole family was with you at that time because the house is just a house? Don't fall in love with material things. All of it will come to an end. Your house will one day collapse on itself if the Lord tarries. But you, you will not collapse on yourself because you are more than this world. You will live for eternity. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. For you either hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? When you fall in love with God, bro, whether you got a lot or you got a little, you're totally content. David Oyadepo, a mighty man of God that has built a huge church in Nigeria, his testimony, if you've ever read one of his books, was when he and his wife first started serving the Lord, they were in such poverty, they had nothing, that at one night he had a bean to eat, and he cut the bean in two for him and his wife, and he pushed the bean to her, and then he grabbed the bean, and before they ate, he said, wait, I thank you, God, for full stomachs, for steak all my days, for the blessing of God that you provided, and they just blessed this single bean as though it was the greatest meal of their life, and then just declared over that, then they ate the half bean. Do you know, the Lord raised him up from such poverty. He was 23 years old before he had a pair of shoes. Now they've, they've, they say that his net worth is in the hundreds of millions of dollars. One of the wealthiest preachers today. That's What is the moral of the story? That serving God will make you a millionaire? No. The moral of the story is fall in love with God's presence. Amen. Trust the Lord and he will provide everything you could ever dream or need in this life. 
If you love God, Paul said, man, I've learned whether I have a lot or I have a little, I have more than enough because my sufficiency is in Christ, not in this world. When we fall in love with God, you are unshakable. You don't care. The, the economy could collapse. And I think that the American economy is about to collapse. Just personally, I would say expect inflation to go through the roof right now. But does that shake you? It shouldn't because God is the one that will supply. Even if you've got to pray over one gallon of gas to make it all week, God will multiply that gallon of gas. Do you believe it? Or God enriches you. I met a man, a mighty, an awesome minister of the gospel. And the Lord, and I've, I've shared this testimony all around the world. The Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to get in your plane and I want you to fly. Well, he gets in his plane and there's no gas. He has like just a little bit of gas. He can't fly to where the Lord told him and he had no money. But the Lord said, I told you to fly. So he just takes off. This is crazy. Prays in tongues the whole time he flies to this city that the Lord told him. Lands, goes to visit his friend's church because that's what he knew the Lord was telling him to go there. As he goes there. There was this whole upheaval in the church at that time. Now, this is back in the 1950s, 1960s. Upheaval in the church. And there was like a, they were actually, he walked into the church into a full-blown fight where people were screaming and mad at each other. And the Lord gave him word to speak into the situation. Peace came back over it. He put everything back in order. And then they were like, thank you for coming. And he went back to his plane and still had no gas. And the Lord said, now fly to this city. And he was like, but God... I don't have any gas. He was like, just pray. So he flew, prayed in tongues the whole way to another city. Gets out, had a three-week revival. The Lord blessed his ministry, and then he flew back home with, this time he could actually fill up his tank. Moral of the story is, you got to get to a place where you so love God and you so trust God that you can act even when you don't have what it takes in the natural. Are we at that place when we talk about this end-time move of God? Or are we still at the place that we'll go whenever the bank account says we can go? Or we'll do whenever the natural lines up? I'm telling you, our God's a supernatural God. He does not care what the nations of the world is doing. The Bible says He sits in the heavens and He laughs at the plans of nations. Because our God is not held captive by any strategy of man, by any economy, by any turndown. He is a multiplier. He's a supernatural God. He can make a plane fly with the angels of God. He can make a car drive by pushing it with his breath. And he can heal anybody and put anything back together. But he needs some people that would just love that about our God. I love you, Jesus. I'll go where you want me to go and I'll say what you want me to say. People who long to be rich, the Bible says, fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So if your focus gets on natural things, you can be bought and you can be swayed. But if your focus is on the Almighty, you're of something that this world is in desperate need of right now. We're, like I said, all the songs now are speaking about the army of the Lord arising. It's like a prophetic moment for the church to call these things to pass. In closing, I just want to tell you this it is not an hour to look to the church as the only place God is going to move. In the four walls of the church. 
It's an hour for the church to grab what we get here and then move in this nation with it at a greater capacity. I believe that God wants to shake cities right now. But it cannot be done in just community things of the church. It has to be done in an army of the Lord so in love with God's presence that we carry that presence everywhere we go. That we stay saturated in His goodness and stay full of His word. Amen. And in that, let me just say, may the church get a hunger for the word of God again. May we devour it like it's our greatest meal ever. Because the Bible in Deuteronomy, what I read to start with, it says, Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. That's the word of God. And then repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. What are we supposed to talk about? The word of God. The word of God. May you go home and the embroidery spirit come upon you. To where you start embroidering those things like my grandmother always embroidered. The goodness of God. You know, I'm just joking. You used to always see them back in the day. They always had those embroidery things of, you know, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to har- uh, not to harm you, but to prosper you. And it'd be right on the side of your grandmother's thing. Am I the only one that had that? Are you guys awake today? May the word of God. May you get a hunger for God's word. May you carry it into your household. May you speak it over your, over your house and over your children. I'm telling you, put things up and quote it. Put it on your mirror and declare it. Speak the word of God. Declare it over your life and over your household. May the word of God get so in the inside of you that you think with the word. That you respond with the word. That it's so ingrained in your spirit, man, that that's what comes out of you as you open your mouth and begin to declare things right now. Let the word of God be the plumb line of your life feeling you with the goodness of God because to love God is to love the word because in the beginning was the word it is God the word is the Lord if you love God you'll love his word if you love his word your word his word gets in your spirit and that's what carries you forward in this hour to accomplish supernatural things amen thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.